On the last season of Movies for Win, Diddy and Greg answered the call to adventure and started their podcast. The country bears invaded and wreaked havoc on our host, as well as movies like Whiplash, Funny Games, Cats, and Night Screams. Will our heroes get sponsored by a hard seltzer? Will they ever mature enough to stop laughing at their own sex jokes? Will they learn tact and discretion? No. And will they ever see something worse than cats? Find out on season two of Movies for Win. Welcome back, everybody. Season two. Season two! We're here again, and so are you. Welcome to season two. Good rhyme. Hope you're not feeling blue. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm starting season two. Is that a, what is that, a Hillary Duff? Um, Beyonce. Oh, same thing. Lindsay Lohan, sorry. I always mix them up. <laughs> you, you topped my joke with another joke. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's get this party started. Season two, I can't started. believe it. Cheers, Greg. It's, cheers to it's, season two. Cheers. It's only season two because we said it was. Well, we took it's, a week off. It's that the first week a, we've taken off in six months. A seasonal hiatus. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, that was the season finale, and you had to wait a whole other week. You've been waiting all year for a new episode. Sorry about that. Good one. Greg, what did you do with your week off? <laughs> um, relaxed, worked. That's all. Yeah, I saw the world myself. Decided, you know, if you're ever gonna do it, do it now. And I took my time off for movies from when to just kind of travel, backpack around Europe, um, see new people. I learned a new language, um, and I came back more cultured. What? yeah there we go well what i did i watched some movies me too actually. um nothing too you know nothing too extreme watch don't look up on netflix that was fine watch the new matrix um which was okay did you see the new matrix no um i heard horrible reviews and a few it was okay reviews um i opted instead to spend the alamo draft house Chris christmas gift card i got um on licorice pizza and nightmare alley and hey good call they were they were both good movies licorice pizza kind of left a weird taste in my mouth but uh nightmare alley was pretty damn strong big fan no spoilies no spoilies um, indeed we uh i don't know we we've basically just been 
binge watching The Sopranos and Sex in the City. Nice. Key and Making... Peele and documentary now for us. <laughs> there we go. We've all got our shows. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is finally catching up on television, catching up on shows that ended in 2006 oh. or, or near then. I'm so behind on all TV. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Forever. I wonder Always if Jim and, and Pam will work out. I wonder how that's going. I got some bad news, Greg. <laughs> it gets really annoying and then nosedives in quality? Sorry yes, to hear that. And uh, Snape kills Pam. <laughs> Jim kills the boom mic guy. Fuck that show. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, season two, we're starting with a new season in the new year. This is the first episode of the new year, with the exception of the Grannies, which I think was like a New Year's Day New Year's Eve. Uh, it came out on New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah. Okay, so that's still in the past then. Yeah. So 2022 is starting with um, something that rings in the new year for you and your wife. Um, that's what the episode is about. It's your annual movie list that you and Vanessa create. Yeah. Let me let me give a little background on why this started and became easily my favorite tradition in my marriage. Um, I was once at the crossroads Greg was at. The year was 2017, and I realized I was a film buff who hadn't seen anything. Mm. <laughs> and so I made a list of culturally significant movies that I wanted to see. It was 62 movies long, and Vanessa was like, oh, I'll do that with you. And I was like, wait, really? You like, you want to? And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. And uh, we liked it so much, we did it every year, except we cut it down to 50 movies, because uh, 62 was a real pain in the ass. Um, I so, imagine. yeah, 50 movies a year, just stuff we want to go out of our way to watch. Uh, it's sometimes stuff one of us has seen and wants to show the other one, sometimes stuff neither of us has seen, and sometimes stuff we saw a long time ago and would like to watch again, but might forget. So, we post the list on our wall, we always make cool art. And we spend four or five hours on New Year's Day watching movie trailers and picking out our list and curating it. And it's one of my favorite parts of the year. I really look forward to it. And so we are doing the first three movies of this year's list on this episode of Movies for Win. Yeah, not a bad way to start the year. Not a bad way to start checking titles off that list. Um, so basically, producer Vanessa got a pick. Denny got a pick, and then I also picked any movie off of that list. Um, a lot of the issue for me was trying to pick a movie off of that list because I did not know what most of them were. This is our weirdest list ever. Like this, year, we always kind of go for a theme, and this year it was like, how about foreign art films? <laughs> like we were just like, yeah, oh, I want to watch more of those. Such foreign art films as Wild Wild West. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold up, hold up. There's, hold up, hold there's, up. There's a theme, but I, I think ah, that theme. um, I think that our picks serendipitously ended up completely capturing the versatility and spirit of the list because it really covers like the three bases that we look for. Mm -hmm. Um, I chose Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is an under like a not very popular not extremely well-known cult movie that's critically acclaimed um greg chose wild wild west which we put stuff on there that's just like unbelievably fucking bad but a lot of people have seen it or we were just curious about it um mm -hmm. and vanessa chose patch adams which a lot of it is we just go for like everyone has seen this movie and we haven't 
How mm-hmm. how are we millennials that didn't see Patch Adams until we were thirty one? You know. Yeah. Um, we we've got a whole episode about this. So that list, yeah, that we could have done thirty movies that episode. So here's another one that could have been on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, shall we? Shall we dive in? Yeah. Um. Uh, real quick. Yeah, like we said, my pick was Wild Wild West. Vanessa picked Patch Adams and Denny picked Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, what are we starting with today? I think Patch we Adams? said Patch Adams. Yeah, we're going to start with Patch, Patch Adams. Adams. All right, Patch Adams uh, is Vanessa's pick, so I will let you summarize the plot of Patch Adams real quickly I will. for us. And Vanessa just texted me to tell me <laughs> that she actually had seen Patch Adams, but it was a long time ah. ago. Um, the plot of Patch Adams is our dear friend Robin Williams, may he rest in power, um is feeling suicidal wow that's hasn't aged well um not trying to make a joke about it like serious i just connected those dots as i said them out loud um i thought about it during the movie yeah um so he checks himself into an inpatient psych hospital and like many inpatient psych hospitals conditions are terrible and no one's getting better patch realizes during his uh time there that he could help people by connecting with them and getting to know them and uh, seeing the world through their eyes and entering their world instead of trying to make them play by his rules. Um, a guy calls him Patch and tells him, you can't look right at the problem. You have to look at the solution or something like that. It had to do with fingers. Um, and then he says, fuck it, I'm out. I'm going to go be a funny doctor. That'll. That's how you do it. Um, he gets into med school, he's really throw the books away style, uh, walking around the world, doing all these social experiments, breaking into hospitals just to entertain the patients, and it's all very heartwarming, and there's a mean old warden from Shawshank Prison that runs the hospital, um, and he's all like, you can't be nice to people, you have to be a doctor, which means you have to be a robot. Um, and Robin Williams keeps almost getting expelled because he, like, for some fucking reason, won't go to another hospital to do this. Like, has to do it at the <laughs> one where he'll get in trouble. Um, <laughs> and uh, then he starts a clinic and uh, in a in a cabin in the woods where people can come and uh, help each other. But then this girl who was there to give him an arc uh, dies and gives him an arc. And uh, then he... Oh, shit. I watched this like two weeks ago. Oh, then oh, he boy. then he uh, goes to court. And they're like, you can't be a doctor. And he's like, yes, I can. And everyone's like, god damn, he's right. <laughs> Roll credits. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, you watched this a couple weeks ago. I watched this one today. Yay! Yeah. What's what's your relationship? Go ahead. I had never seen this one. I knew about it. I knew about the red nose. That's it. Yeah. This one was... That's uh, all I knew about it, but yeah, went in blind. The trailer was on a beloved childhood VHS of mine. I'm assuming Muppet Treasure Island, but I don't know. Um, So I'd never seen it, but the trailer was like drilled into my head um and it was actually when we made the first movie list this one was one that almost made it like barely Mm -hmm. actually i think every year patch adams and good morning vietnam have been in the conversation 
Like, and we it, just and this never... year they're both on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even though, judging by trailers, they look like the same movie. Um, eh. But yeah, this is eh. my first time seeing Similar. it. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good movie. Excellent. What did you think, Greg? I thought it was a movie. <laughs> um, not bad, but really not very good. Sad to say. Yeah. So I guess this is my take on it. From a filmmaking perspective, there's really nothing interesting going on here in mm -hmm. terms of like cinematography um you know the score is about as cheesy 90s drama as you can get like it's it's boy like, is it brother brother um, brother brother it's it's one of the most stock scores i've ever heard in my life i don't <laughs> think the narrative or you know the story itself is honestly amazing but this is what brings it all together is i think the cast is perfect and mm -hmm. i think a lesser collective of actors would have turned this into a very mediocre and forgettable movie but i thought that uh i thought that they brought the material to life in a really really endearing way and i'll i i connected with it on an emotional level um and that's it was all because of the performances um i mean the ideals i that they express are definitely ideals i hold um but i don't know to me it just worked on an emotional level and that made up for and again like when i say there's nothing going on from a filmmaking perspective i don't mean that the score is bad i don't mean that the cinematography is bad i don't mean that the story is bad even it's just very over the plate nothing nothing really creative is happening there and so what would have been bland became like a really like very sincerely heartwarming movie for me it worked and it was kind of hokey and cheesy and it worked they earned it at least with me yeah i don't mind saying the score was bad uh <laughs> I'm, I'm saying i didn't hate it it was just yeah. generic it was generic as fuck right and I hated it, so <laughs> I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. <sighs> yeah, um, yeah, I got a, I got a shitload of notes on this thing. Um, should we start with the score? Shit, we already did. So let's go. There we go. Um, my first note here is we're really leaning into the air quotes here. Music is 75% of emotion thing. <laughs> it's a big 90s thing where like every moment, happy, sad, in the middle, inspiring, whatever, is going to have an overbearing musical accompaniment to tell you how you're supposed to feel. Yeah. I, there were several times, for me that serves as a distraction, and there were several times when I was watching it where I was thinking like, if this music, if this scene that I'm watching had no music, what would it be like? What would it feel like? And I think that's a lot of my problem with this movie is I'm just, it, it feels like most of the substance of like heartfelt, like emotion and sincerity is only coming from the music. Like it's, it's a really weird 
um, kind of feeling I was getting where it was just so overbearing that like what was happening just felt like I was being manipulated. So genuine or not, I was like, okay, but you're hamming it up this way. And I just kind of got pushed out of it emotionally, I guess. No, and it, it was very try-hard in that sense. Um, I guess to me, like, the performance of Robin Williams and Philip Seymour Hoffman are what made it seem so heartfelt and strong. It's just the music, like, distracted me but didn't overwhelm me, and it sounds like it overwhelmed you. Absolutely it did. And, which sucks, because, man, the performances were really good, and I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who doesn't? He and rocks. In this, in this movie, he's really good. It was kind of funny that that's like when when they when he meets Robin Williams' character, he's just like, "Aren't you a little old to be in medical school?" You're like, "Oh yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a young man once." <laughs> and, <laughs> he wasn't perpetually forty three. <laughs> exactly, isn't that something to think about? <laughs> oh man, man, I thought uh, I thought the best acted scene in the movie that stood out as something really special that was almost like too good for this movie was the scene where uh robin williams is calling felix philip seymour hoffman a prick i i okay felt that tension and that emotion and i thought that you you saw the depth of the character patch in the sense that he wasn't like always breathing helium and being silly and being happy-go-lucky but that he was able to like do things like confront people and call people out and stand up for himself and then I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was masterful, like absolutely mm -hmm. masterful at the subtlety of he just, I don't even know how he did it, but underneath projecting confidence and dickishness um, under, you could just somehow tell that he was masking insecurity with his aggressiveness. Um, you could tell that the character was very very uh unsure of himself and fragile ego underneath this mm -hmm. like facade of i know what it means to be a doctor it's in my blood you know and you can just see the jealousy and it, like it was just so fucking good man yeah um i i loved that scene because that was like you're saying, it's the best acted scenes, the one with, with the most emotional connection that I felt. I loved that scene. Man, should have had Philip Seymour Hoffman in it more. I'll just say that. It really yeah. should have. I think he was he was a better antagonist than uh, than the Dean, the, the Shawshank guy. Dean! <laughs> Dr. Dean! Um. I thought he was Dr. Kelso at first. He really looked like him in that first scene from afar. <laughs> i mean kind of we just see him in the class um yeah but that scene the music i guess wasn't too overbearing for me but um philip seymour hoffman had a great point in that scene why does uh patch adams have such a problem with letting other people study <laughs> just like i don't have to study my grades are perfect <laughs> and everyone else is like struggling to get like a 78 yeah and he's just like yeah you should smile more <laughs> and he doesn't say that like yeah we should just we should just fuck around a little bit you see there's people here like that's great but i gotta learn the signs of a stroke yeah for <laughs> <laughs> Putting, I mean, pu 
putting a rubber nose on myself doesn't really tell me if there's gallbladder issues um as much (laughs) as much as i'd like to think something i i thought the whole time is i was like you know this would be a really short movie if someone told him he could just be a therapist and no one will try to stop him from treating the whole person and not just an illness (laughs) like he literally (laughs) like is just begging to be a therapist and can't figure out that he's in the wrong profession is what it seemed to me the whole time i was like dude patch i do this every day this is my whole job the parts of this that you like that's what i do (laughs) and he would have been terrific at it but then you need that guy to deliver the news of like it's stage three colon cancer (laughs) wazoo wazoo (laughs) squirts him with a little flower with water coming out you know um the colon cancer it's spread to you i i don't have a good williams so no, I, thought no. I, might, I thought i might it, it, you need it to, you've got to be way like oh, oh, oh. yeah a little a little whimsical a little quick it's, it's a tough one i'm not even gonna try it but i need some uppers if i'm gonna do him uh, <laughs> um let's talk about the character karen played by monica potter okay sure um what, what how do you feel about her I thought that she got things mansplained to her a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was essentially a prop for the men in the movie. She... Cool. I I mentioned it in the summary that it was like... Her dreams didn't really matter. She died to give Patch Adams an apotheosis a spiritual death and resurrection and he actually got over it really quick (laughs) (laughs) like um i I just thought that i thought it was in poor taste i i I get that we're complaining about you know misogyny that occurred over 20 years ago but i just watched it recently it's not like they i think that's my thing is it's like it's less it's not like anyone was like hey you're gonna be a bad doctor because you'll have your period one day and ruin medicine um (laughs) and something about it being less on the nose kind of made it worse for me you know that it was just like they're kind of pretending that she's a principal character they're kind of pretending to treat her character like it matters and then she's really just there for patch adams to have a girl to chase and a death to react to that's like why the character's in the movie well this is where i'm gonna disagree with you um i'm gonna use some uh knowledge and facts real quick oh shit so patch adams is based on a real person Mm -hmm. dr patch adams and the story is very similar he did meet his wife, Linda, at medical school, and they did get married there and all that. They founded the real uh, institution, and then at the end of the movie, they say, you know, at the time of this movie being made, like... Um, A thousand doctors this, are on the wait list to leave their practice, right? Yeah. yeah, like once the institution is finished. Like, they're still creating what the real doctor started in real life when this movie was made. His wife didn't die. She's not dead. What? They di- they divorced in 1998. 
And you know when this movie came out? 1998. I think he saw this movie, realized what he could become. What? But this is all speculative. So your your point is that the real Patch Adams was like, wait a minute. If I had some sadness in my arc, I'll be even better. Yeah, he was like, so my character arc wife. isn't... Because <laughs> he wanted a better character that's arc. That's your argument, yes. is that he wanted more of an arc, so he divorced his wife. I'm not saying that he divorced his wife because of the movie, but I'm saying there's no way we can rule out that the two things aren't related. Well, at least he didn't kill her. At least nobody killed her. I assume she's still alive. I don't know. It was a while back. There's not a lot of info on her. I wasn't going to do that much research. <laughs> this is all for a dumb joke. Um, but, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm sort of not really feeling the movie itself is the divorce well okay bad choice of words the divorce from reality <laughs> god damn it Craig. i keep using that word you motherfucker <laughs> the the departure from the reality of the person we're making a film about right yeah um when you're making a movie like this it's in because because the guy sounds like the nicest purest just like sweetest man ever like the guy sounds fantastic i bet he's a great person in real life and if the character that robin williams plays is anything you know like the real life guy then this guy's got to be an absolute legend but that doesn't mean that our protagonist in the movie has to be cartoonishly pure and every person in his way is cartoonishly evil. We're like, there's, I'm sure there were like obstacles and like resistance to his mindset of things, but like over demonizing any resistance just kind of comes off as cartoony. And then it also in turn makes us over glorify the good things that the guy was doing to the point of just like unbelievability when you've got a character that's just so damn good and pure they stop becoming relatable yeah the guy was a guy um i'm sure he had his own emotional struggles uh within his own life for whatever reason and in this movie you know he has a suicidal past that's also true where he i i believe either attempted or was like suicidal at a certain point in his early life and that's where he decided to change that part is all true but like the real struggle that and conflict that he faces during our time with him in the movie the way the movie does it is like what if we just killed his girlfriend that's how we give him something emotional to overcome not a struggle that's internal but rather everything that happens to him is external mm -hmm. yeah I, I i think that's pretty fair honestly in terms of realism this just wasn't a realistic movie to me and it wasn't supposed to be so yeah i wasn't really concerned with that um i was more like man that welcome gynecologist display was fucking fantastic that was great it was great um I, it was hilarious yeah i i 
for me it worked enough that we'd seen him suicidal and in a psych ward it worked enough that he'd been on he'd kind of been on his journey between the between the psych ward and when he gets into med school and we don't see it um i i did not love the third act death scene you know like i i just thought that it was just very unnecessary and emotion for the sake of emotion and is it really that hard to understand that what you were doing was good you just need some more boundaries so you know Mm -hmm. like so you don't make house calls to unstable people you know like is (laughs) like that's that's more my thing is i was like it's really like not that hard to understand that that's not your fault right like that you were trying to do something good and someone exploited the situation and you could just keep doing it you know like and 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 course correct um so yeah i don't know i honestly if you if you wanted to like if you wanted to argue the like structural integrity of the movie or that it's hokey you could and you'd probably be right um this is one that worked for me so much on an emotional level you know that like what they were trying to do was inspire me and they inspired me. Um, yeah. I wanted to be a more loving person. I wanted to be a better clinician. I wanted to look more into what I'm doing and how I treat people because of this movie. And to me, that was the main purpose. And I thought it, it accomplished that purpose very well. Yeah. And like, I'm really glad for um, you to feel that way and, you know, for the sake of your patience and everything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think that's a good takeaway. And if you're going to receive this movie positively and try to, you know, change for the better in yourself, then I'm not going to complain about that at all. Yeah. But at the same time, I... <laughs> he's being a good guy by stealing from the hospital? Like, those other patients <laughs> need that shit, man. And that that was so confusing to me because I was like, dude, the guy who like outranks your enemy is funding this. Are you like right. seriously like you can't ask him for like three hundred bucks for some like gauze and thermometers and rubber gloves? Like, hey, do you have any band aids in your office? Yeah, like, like I was like, did, try. Did that need to happen? Like, what? That was just like subverting authority for the sake of doing it. Like, we just can't do anything by the book. We have to go the hard way on every fucking thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, we have to go the hard way. Absolutely. Um, I did like the guy that was funding him. Um, That actor's name is Harv Presnell. He's he's, um, in Fargo, the Ah, movie. He's William H. Macy's father-in-law. Oh, shit. I knew I'd seen him somewhere. He's fantastic. He's just got like that cranky old guy like I'm disappointed in you, but I'm only going to say that by being expressively cold with you. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah, no, he was he was fantastic. He's always fantastic. Um on the note of unrealism, lack of realism, one mm-hmm. of my literal notes I made about the closing moments of the movie was how much I miss unrealistic movie speeches. Like, oh my god, yeah. Speeches are awesome. And I know that, like, no one ever 
just sits quietly while you make a long emotional point and then applauds at the end and says, damn it, we've changed our minds. Like this man's passion has truly moved us. Um, Like I know that that's not the way anything works. I love a good climactic inspiring movie speech. It's great. I don't mind them. You should watch uh, Thin Red Line. There's a good one there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sort of. Uh, yeah, what you didn't see was the orchestra up in the rafters telling the people there how to feel. Um, I did think it was nice when all the kids showed up and they put on their red noses and stuff. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. I, I didn't mind the speech at all. I think it's just everything that led up to it. <laughs> it just kind of bothered me. <laughs> fuck that, dude. Fuck that woman's pasta bath. <laughs> what fuck that that's nasty what i wanted to do it no i wanted disgusting. The, i wanted the noodle bath yeah outdoor pool dude just and then just imagine like a you sub- can't get hospital supplies but you can get a half a ton of spaghetti fuck off <laughs> But what about a cement mixer? First of all, spaghetti's cheap. And second of all, what True. A, the the only thing it was missing was a cement mixer full of Alfredo sauce to just pour okay, into that the pool. That would have put me over the edge if they had <laughs> That would have been awesome, man. Like, you know what? This movie's not so bad. Again, like... I'm, cement mixer for Alfredo sauce. That... <laughs> and then someone coming with like a comically large pepper grinder just... <laughs> Just say wind, Aggie. Lowered in on a crane. <laughs> yeah. Two people are twisting the top. Just say wind, Agatha. That that was the kind of thing that, like, again, throughout the whole movie, I was like, moments like that, I was like, it's a movie. The reason this is happening is because it's a movie. Yeah. I, I didn't care. I, I just, I was like, dude, this is just working for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm again i'm glad it does but every time that there's a main character that no matter what they do there's just like a couple people off to the side like huh you're the best where somebody's just the fucking best the whole movie yeah ah get out of here Dude, me and my cynicism don't like you i i would take nothing away from your point like honestly i think you're being more objective about the movie than i am and uh I just honestly that thought never once occurred to me and now that you're saying it I'm like oh yeah that is pretty bad writing oh well oh well I already liked it <laughs> and I, <laughs> like, and I, don't, I don't care like it's it is a it is very much a movie of its time yeah right? oh, it's like, so 90s it's the very so inspirational 90s inspirational drama I don't mind it because if it, it's a thing of its time and uh Robin Williams just fits a role like that so perfect um that I can't like fully commit to just disliking it like i don't dislike it i don't like those kinds of things in movies but when he's doing it it's way more digestible and when it's from that you know it's from 1998 so i'm i'm a lot more fine with it because of that too i think it sucks that you know like the blind side that shit like that still gets made Fuck the way side. after the fact of that being a thing double but, fuck the blind side yeah, you see? Fucking it's... white savior horse shit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buddy. I went there, Sandra Bullock. I went there. Oh. But she just doesn't take no nonsense. <sighs> <sighs> so where are we at, man? Um, I, 
I, w I made a note furiously, but I think it kind of got negated. Um, he was showing his girlfriend, like, here, look at all this. 105 acres of all-natural forest. I'm going to cut it all the fuck down and build my new hospital. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck nature. I want to wear a red nose. <laughs> um... <laughs> But it, it turns out, I think, his heart was really just set on having the cabin. And yeah. the nature aspect was part of the healing process for people. So hey. I was too harsh. I judged yeah. too quickly. And that's a real thing. My bad. Um, nature therapy? Yeah, I'm... I'm yeah, it, it is true. That's why, like, I assume... I assume that's why, like, rehab clinics are, like, out kind of in nature. Kind of in beautiful, more scenic areas. Yep. From uh, what I've heard from people that have gone through um situations like that yep. um what did you think of the girlfriend being a butterfly at the end i guess that was kind of part of the conclusion of his arc with her he yeah. finally got over her when he saw a butterfly on his bag did they talk about butterflies did i miss that yeah she said that like she wished she could turn into a butterfly when she was being uh, sexually abused as a child. Um, did you miss that? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did hear that yeah. part. I don't know, man. I, I didn't see it as she became the butterfly. Vanessa kind of saw it that way, and then she mm -hmm. was like, no, nah, you're right. Um, I just saw it as, like, it was a reminder from her. You know, like, mm -hmm. he, he kind of saw it as her being like, dude, it's cool. Which, man... That must be a really cool way to resolve your dissonance. <laughs> I, 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 thought I the... saw a bug and I knew that my girlfriend forgave me for getting her killed. That's when I knew I could just go back to normal. <laughs> there, there was a bunch of fire ants chewing on my leg. And I remember when my late wife talked about her aunt and I'm just overcome with emotions. <laughs> I'm going to be a doctor now and treat, <laughs> treat these ant bites. Um, Dude, I, I was really expecting them to like end it with like the hospital opening and there's like a statue of her built there or like no that's more of a postman kind of move yeah I, I just <laughs> this it, movie's not that cheesy but it was just wild to me that, 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 that she just died and they spent like 10 minutes grieving her and then just moved on and never brought her up again he never said like yeah. no I have to go on it's for Karen. It's what she would have wanted. Never. Nothing. Nothing. He was just like, back to work. Yeah. <laughs> just like, after, after my appeal for dis school dismissal to the medical board, um, let's just get back to it. Yeah, I was expecting them to erect a statue where she's throwing anal beads. Um, <laughs> that is a specific reference to the Dirk Nowitzki statue that was proposed. Did you see that? No, I just laughed because you said build a statue of her throwing anal beads. I didn't understand the, any references dude, at all. They retired Dirk Nowitzki's number. This is a dumb side story. And they, like, had a statue proposed, and it's, like, him doing a fadeaway shot. And to show the arc of the ball, they have a ball, and then attached by a wire is a second ball, and then attached to a wire is a third ball. And everyone on Twitter was like, that's anal beads. <laughs> So they'll probably revise. <laughs> probably the so. Statue. Probably so. What were we talking about? Patch Adams. Uh, Patch Adams. Um, you know what did bother me about this movie, Greg? Do tell. You know what really, really bothered me? 
like more than it should have but like consistently throughout the entire movie patch is wearing a button-down shirt and baggy cargo pants who the fuck was the wardrobe person for this movie um the big lebowski (laughs) i i don't think we were doing that in the 90s what (laughs) tucked in button down and baggy cargo pants or untucked like what the fuck was that i'm telling you man jeff bridges he did it um (laughs) he wore sweatpants and t-shirts and robes yeah it just seems like a fit he would do uh was his lab coat or medical coat was that the white coat from the meat packer convention yes. the whole movie yes the whole movie i don't know it had that because that would thing be on it. awesome so that would be awesome as we watched it vanessa told me this because i was like apparently all it takes to skip two years of med school is a white coat um and she was like honestly man because she she started in nursing in her undergrad I, that was the most believable part yeah she said that like all the time she'd like come in in her scrubs and have no id on her and be like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm supposed to be here but i'm running late and if you acted confused but like you were supposed to be there and you had the right mm-hmm. clothes on and they you... would they'd be like oh just right down the hall <laughs> just go right in <laughs> listen i 1000 percent believe that absolutely yeah especially yeah i believe vanessa when she says that and i believe it in 1998 like whatever he's got the white coat like i think we've seen him at school before yeah whatever yeah he is um yeah uh we're, we're, let's wind down on patch adams a little bit I'm good um with that. uh yeah i i thought it my last thing is i thought it was weird that philip seymour hoffman character noted how old he was and then that same day he's hitting on uh his girlfriend to be who is i assume is also the same age as philip seymour hoffman so it's like you're too old to be here but here's a girl the same age age as the person saying that and that's the love interest yeah that was weird but i don't know how old he's supposed to be so i don't know and then how old are they they're in medical school so i assume they're like late 20s like like late 20s yeah yeah i don't know man like maybe it's not that creepy patch was like i I liked that it normalized an atypical life path you know that like Mm -hmm. when when you experience like such severe suicidal ideation that you need inpatient treatment it's gonna disrupt shit and you're right you're not it's not really fair to it's not fair to you to compare yourself to people who haven't experienced that and be like well i'm not where they are on their path and so i don't know like the uh, older man Mm -hmm. dating much younger woman is never that great of a look uh robin williams has always looked late 40s for his entire life so (laughs) it's really impossible so is philip seymour hoffman yep that's um, why that conversation made no sense to me yeah um <laughs> but i don't know I, I liked that the character you know advocated <laughs> for starting over you know like yeah just following your own path man i thought it was cool yeah oh absolutely and that's that's a real lesson that i think people can take from this is just if you want to pivot to a new thing and you've got the passion for it fuck it just put the work in and do it yep I hope you're supported through that. Yep. Um, you ready to get into uh, gimmicks, I'm, or you got anything else? No, I'm ready. Let's do gimmicks. All right. Uh, we've got a new gimmick of the week. Gimmick of the week. 
gimmick of the week. Denny, what is our gimmick of the week this week? Our gimmick. For season two. First gimmick. First gimmick season of two. season two. Um, our gimmick for this is what we call the reactionary resolution. Greg and I are going to make a New Year's resolution in reaction to each of these movies. Um, That's right. Greg, what is your reactionary resolution for Patch Adams? Uh, new year, new me, baby. Um, I resolve, if that's the correct verbiage. Sounds right. That if I go to the hospital, I will laugh at all of the doctor's jokes because they're probably trying their very best. <laughs> I, uh, I resolve to at one point provide some serious knowledge related to trauma recovery with, uh, acute detail as clearly as I can. And mm-hmm. then walk away with squeaky shoes because that was the funniest part <laughs> of the movie to me. It got me to I, like legit laugh out loud. Like that got guffaw. that got me pretty good. That was great. So that's that's that, my resolution is to replicate that. That got me really good. I really appreciated that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite line? My favorite line. I only have one. I only need one. It is at the aforementioned meat packing convention where Robin Williams gets up, delivers his Dwight Schrute speech, and starts a chant, Eat cow! Eat cow! Eat cow! Eat cow! That's my favorite line. That was it's awesome. an entire room full of meat packers shouting, Eat cow. That whole convention was awesome. It was so much fun. Um, I would have liked to have gone. Miss Meat of the Year seemed like a cool gal. Hell yeah. Um, mine was, You have one responsibility to be a dickhead how oh. hard can it be all you have to make sure your head is a dick and it's attached to your neck <laughs> that, that was, was just a... such an awesome way to insult someone that was an absolute banger of a line yes. i loved that one um what's your critic score greg oh boy my critic score um i criticized it heavily but um i've also got a lot of love for a lot of what i was seeing um i do appreciate the real life human that was behind this story quite a bit i don't like a lot of the filmmaking like we kind of discussed um excuse me the musical manipulation um for me the lack of emotional um connectability Mm -hmm. I guess I could say. All that being said, I gave it an 18 out of 40. Pretty harsh. Pretty, Pretty harsh. harsh. You did not like this movie. Um, I did not. I gave it a 38 out of 50, which essentially okay. equates to a solid B+. Plus. Um, I don't think it stopped the world and watch it, but I liked it a lot. I thought it was good, and I think you could make a lot of criticisms about it, and they'd be valid. But it's a good movie. I, I really enjoyed it. B plus 38 out of 50 not bad it's a pretty fun one and i'm i'm glad you love it and i completely understand why you love it and i've got i don't think i've said a single thing to argue back with you not liking it i'm just like yeah well it worked (laughs) i didn't care exactly (laughs) like that's that's all i've really got like you're more correct i just it just sometimes something just works for you and you don't need it to be anything more than that and that was this movie for me that's right well, I guess now, I guess we have Denny Wig and the angry, seamless edit. You son of a bitch. Am I related there to Fozzie are, Wig? Baby. Ah! Hedwig and the angry Waka Waka. 
Um, <laughs> the angry, angry rubber chicken. Yeah, man. Hedwig and the Angry Inch. You want to do a synopsis? I did the last one. Yeah, sure. Uh, this one was actually your pick. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a very personal story of um, a transgender woman that experienced a botched sex change surgery in East communist East Germany, uh, East Berlin, I believe. Um, this is a sort of rock opera, sort of musical uh, telling of the growth of a person that um, details their life and their history and then also explores trying to get into the spotlight and create a... Uh, some stardom for themselves yeah, on the yeah, yeah. on the road as a musician yes um a lot a lot of growth for this individual uh who's immigrated to the united states uh with their ragtag band of fellow musicians that seem to all be also european uh this is kind of a weird plot to describe for a movie that i had never seen had absolutely never heard of um but it was on your list, yep. and I watched it. I didn't know what to expect. I read like a brief plot summary, and uh, was pleasantly surprised um, about what I got. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a hard thing now to like. Maybe not that hard. There's there's way more obscure stuff, but to just like have a movie that you've absolutely never heard anything about. Mm -hmm. And then you get to go in completely blind and just see it. Yeah. That's that's kind of a cool special thing. And that was what I got out of this movie. Hell yeah. Um, fun times. Yeah, man. I uh, I knew very little. I knew very little about it myself. Um, they were running some screenings of it a while back at Alamo Draft House, and mm -hmm. I remember they like you know like at Alamo for all their like special event movies, they cut together like a trailer set to music, you know, like of of like four or five different movies that they're going to be screening in the near future. And I thought Hedwig and the Angry Inch looked really fun and really cool, um, and I never was able to make it to any of the screenings. So that's my relationship with it, and. I'm first of all glad you liked it because I had no idea that I was committing to us watching a musical. Um, yeah. I, I thought you might feel betrayed, and I want you to know that <laughs> I actually didn't know either. Um, and apparently it was, like, adapted from a, uh, a stage show that was written by John Cameron Mitchell, who also plays Hedwig. Um, so basically, this is his baby. Um, his fingerprints are all over this. I, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I was just like, that looks pretty fun. And I never I never got to see it. And then I found out that it was, uh, while still being very fun, was a lot more serious than I thought it was going to be, too, <laughs> from, yeah. from the trailer. So um, I, I'm glad we both really liked it, because I thought you might be mad that I made you watch a musical. No, um, because this movie does something that musicals never do which is have the expression through song be delivered in an organic and believable way yes they're literally singing about you know the issues at hand and past issues that we learn about during the movie but it's through 
their like tour their little band tour through the the midwest united states um and every song is performed at like a different venue and then we have some scenes between there with a little more storytelling and character focus and then the next song is like well you see here's another piece of my past ladies and gentlemen and then we talk about it and then we sing about it and yeah it 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 comes up organically yeah. because the musician is going to it's we're in a believable setting so i'm not mad about it being a musical because we're following musicians around so it, it makes sense it's yeah. realistic well there's only um, there's only one non-diegetic musical number right like there's only one where like the characters aren't singing to other characters yeah um which is and that's one of the more fun songs too oh it's, it's my favorite song uh in the movie and that's also this. My, I was I was preparing a defense because I was like that is the same amount of non diegetic songs as the Country Bears. <laughs> so. Heyo. <laughs> so what I'm saying is the Country Bears and Hedwig in the, in the Angry Inch are the correct way to do musicals. So hey, there's there's a uh, there's something you probably don't know that actually ties them together. We could learn a lot from these. Two oh movies. wait, no, never mind. Um, that's that's Wild Wild West. Wrong note. Wrong note. Oh, wrong note. I I cannot wait to hear about this. Yes. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what also helps me uh, digest this movie a little more easily as a musical is all of the songs are absolute bangers. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of rock ballads which I don't necessarily seek out for, like, listening to on my own, Mm -hmm. but, like, in a movie and with the subject matter at hand, they work perfectly for this. And these songs absolutely slap. I love all of the songs. I I added them to my current playlist. I I went through and added, like, four or five songs from this to be like, no, I want to hear this on the way to work. You know, like, I I, I really dug it. know what else i love that they do that uh that musicals adapted to film pretty much never do mm-hmm. um they took advantage of the medium of film um the yeah. cinematography is first of all fantastic like just great inspired camera work um and then like using those uh abstract animated scenes really really well Mm -hmm. that's that's something you couldn't really do on the stage you know i haven't seen the stage show but i'm assuming they didn't bring down a screen and project that you know like i'm assuming that's a a movie exclusive that gave it its own identity that was like hey you're watching a film they might have because during a couple of the performances that the band does they have the projector and like they kind of throw a sheet up on the wall of wherever they're at yeah I think they only do it for the first couple yeah, maybe of so. songs, but they've got the projector on there. So that that could be part of it. Um, but even like, but I, even I'm s- just speculating. It could totally work and I could see it, but even stuff like a uh, Hedwig's tattoo, that's, mm-hmm. that's something you can't do on stage, right? Like you can't sure get, it is. no, but I'm saying you can't, oh, yeah, yeah. you can't you get a really close shot of a tattoo that tracks thematically with what's going on. Yeah, it's the audience's sightline. They're never going to notice that, you know. Like that's that's something they can you can only they can do have it, but it's it's not going to be a focal point exactly. for someone in the second yeah. level of the theater or whatever. Whereas, yeah, like, I get you. You watch you watch a, a movie like The Producers, uh, the musical version, which I actually do really really enjoy. But a valid critique of that is it's 
basically a stage musical with a camera pointed at it. You know, like they they yeah. really didn't they really didn't turn it into a movie. They didn't take advantage of the medium, and yeah. Hedwig and absolutely did. Dude, <laughs> which which tracks because I totally forgot because I read that at the beginning, like adapted from the stage mm-hmm. by yeah and and i totally forgot until you said anything because it just worked so well as a movie because like you're saying they took advantage of you could do fun set pieces you could be on the road a little bit and you can do these um creative animated segments mm-hmm. and everything so i don't know i'm i'm curious to see how it works at a as a, at a, as a stage play now after seeing this yeah, but me too it worked great as a movie i never uh yeah i totally forgot that's where it originated yeah so i i actually have very 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 few notes on this movie no me too because basically about 20 to 30 minutes in i was like hey this is a really cool unique movie and i'm seeing it for the first time ever and that's kind of special Mm-hmm. I don't want to split my attention, you know, like look away and write something down that I liked or something like that. Like, yeah. So I basically took like three or four notes and then put my phone down, you know, and was just like, I'm watching this and I'll just remember it and talk about it. I I felt the same way, but I didn't do it consciously. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just like watching it, vibing with the songs um, and just kind of immersing myself in it. So we're on the same page i guess not a whole ton to talk about yeah um yeah where do we begin then <laughs> um well i, I kind of want to give a little bit more credit to the filmmaking aspect of it yes um, just just a small detail that i noticed well not that small i guess but you could tell how much love and effort and care went into making this because even when the drummer is wearing a tiny drum set on his person and walking around with it while they're doing a musical number, everyone is still playing like the correct notes and the drums are going along with the song. They're playing what we're hearing. Mm. And that's something that throws me out of like movies about um, live performance of music and that kind of thing. Whiplash does a pretty good job of um masking that um but you know i don't care as much in that movie um because music isn't always the main focus of the scenes involving music but in this in this movie where the music is the point of the scene a lot of times they are correctly playing their instruments and even though you know obviously the drum set that the man is wearing is not the one that's we're hearing right now he's still playing it correctly and even though he has a one light tiny little six inch cymbal he's like playing it when he needs to the snare hits are on beat everything is clicking the guitar players are uh, moving their fingers along with the song as it goes it just makes it all more believable and immersive Mm -hmm. so good times yeah and I, i think it shows like so vanessa looked up a lot of the a lot of the trivia and facts about this and apparently they used i, I wish i had they used yeah. a whole lot of uh a lot of the original cast from the from the stage show and that's mm-hmm. another thing that happened in a musical movie that i is one of my favorite movies ever rocky horror picture show um mm-hmm. the vast majority of people in that movie had 
done the show hundreds of times and so you get this really cool thing where it's all in their bones you know like they've they've worked on this character for years and repeated Mm -hmm. you know like and just fine-tuned it and i think that really shown through in this movie especially with the character hedwig obviously like Mm -hmm. um it's just you could see that these people had gotten their reps in and knew exactly what they were doing <laughs> like they'd done this yeah. hundreds of times and they're just doing it on a set instead of a stage yeah they they knew yeah. what they were doing they were very familiar with their roles and their characters and had a very very clear vision for what they wanted the movie to be and accomplished it fantastically yeah which kind of um it helps that only one of the other band members is even like a character in any way Mm -hmm. they they all have you know character traits and that kind of thing there's personality there um but the only other person with like dialogue and conflict and anything like that is the guitar player backup singer Mm -hmm. um I can't remember their name. I apologize. I'm looking but... it up right now. It's uh, <laughs> it's Yitzhak played by Miriam Shore. Yes. Yeah. Um, H- Hedwig's Hedwig's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and yeah, it that just makes it feel, it feel like it was it feels like it was performed by stage performers because everybody was on board and their characters just yeah. blended in so well. So while while we're on Yitzhak, um, Vanessa also looked this up too, and it, it's something that I wish made it to the movie. Um, it was it was implied and it was well implied, but I honestly could have used it stated. Apparently, uh, Hedwig was jealous because apparently Yitzhak was a drag queen, um, mm-hmm. and Hedwig became jealous that uh, that that uh, he was becoming more feminine than her. Um, and basically agreed to marry him only on the condition that he never does drag again and so that's why you that's why you see him like eyeing the wigs and why it's such a big deal that hedwig hands him the wig at the end and we see him in drag um it was definitely implied but it just seemed like a hedwig's keeping him repressed and hogging the spotlight but I, i thought that was a cool little depth to their relationship and also a cool piece of Hedwig. Okay. I I would have appreciated that to be more clearly stated, I think, mm-hmm. because I was kind of confused about not only their relationship, but maybe that character's uh, gender identity. Yeah. Because um, not that that's, like, super important for who they are, like, as a person or anything, yeah. but when it influences their decisions as a character in the movie, it's, you know... Yeah it needs to be stated a little bit more clearly. And so I, I believe but the character... very minor thing. I believe that the character identifies as male, but in the spirit of playing around with gender, it's traditional for the character to be played by a female in drag as a male. Just to okay. like fuck around. And that's what they did in this movie. Just to I, I like fuck that. around with gender a little bit more. I do like that detail, because that was another kind of curve, is that it's definitely played by a woman. Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way very very well done short facial hair makeup effects like that's absolutely that's hard to do like i've seen a lot of great fake beards 
but I've I, I I think this was probably the first time I've seen like stubble that didn't look like someone just like took a makeup brush, you know, it, and like it didn't it, it didn't look like the jackass prank where <laughs> I don't know which prank you're referencing. The one where they glued their pubes to that guy's face. <laughs> that's sounding more familiar, but that still sounds like it could be a litany of different jackass pranks. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Jackass 4 in theaters next month, I think. Yeah. Um, anyways, on something much different. Uh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things was um, when they were on tour or doing their s- songs, they're just like playing at the fucking chilies <laughs> at the local like seafood buffet and going all uh, out like they're playing in Madison Square Garden. And that's absolutely that's a fighting spirit I respect in a performer and a group of performers, which yeah. brings me back to the band. No one's really like you know except for our backup singer no one's really saying like hey we could be big stars like what are we doing playing these little restaurants we're mad like that never really flares up and i really appreciate that they're just like we just want to be out here playing music yeah yeah and then in those restaurants where they're playing their songs and jamming their tunes and (laughs) throwing their crotches in people's faces (laughs) you just get like a mix of like uh obsessed fans like roadies that are like wearing the fake wig and they're like huge fans yeah. and then like disgusted 60 year old <laughs> couples that have no idea what the hell's going on it was such a cool dynamic and Hedwig just like flirting with the old conservative 60 year olds in like tampa anyways you know just like <laughs> doing it anyways even though they're like appalled at what they're looking at it doesn't matter who's here i'm doing my shit like <laughs> um this is all gonna sound very foreign to someone that hasn't seen this movie and i assume nobody has that's listening to this more than likely has seen this movie i don't know um chime in if you have let us know in the comments um yeah so i guess i'll try to be a little bit more explanatory in my yeah notes here well you know I think that's what's so cool about this movie is like that it came out in 2001 Mm -hmm. when it was like movies were like still treating like being gay as a punchline and a hundred percent like I feel like if this came out now which like this is a weird stance I have when it comes to representation I mm-hmm. really don't care if it's a cynical studio doing it because it's in vogue or if they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart because it accomplishes the same uh, the same effect. People feel more represented. And so I'm like, representation's great. I don't give a fuck if Disney does it because they think they'll make neolib money or if they do it because they genuinely believe it needs to happen. Um it still works, right? Like those people, those demographics are more represented. But I think if this yeah. if this came out in 2021, it would come out in Pride Month and it would feel kind of cynical, like almost almost exploitative. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess honestly, I would let I would let someone who's part no. of the LGBT community tell me that. But this is O one and it's punk rock. Like no, I, like culture is not ready for this for real. 
if this came out this year, Hedwig would have been one of the fucking Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be this on the nose, yeah. which is... <laughs> this movie would just never get made this year. They would, yeah, they would just make, like, a trans Ghostbuster. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and they would... Uh, they would only briefly mention it <laughs> yeah they would they would never uh, make this movie this year they're like no don't you guys love this the actor's trance like well you didn't really say anything about it in the movie <laughs> yeah. but we're glad they're there do you guys remember uh, when the, disney yeah. ended prejudice because lefou was kind of gay <laughs> i thought they did it because in onward one of the minor characters mentioned there was a female character that mentioned they had a girlfriend oh i don't even remember that part yeah i saw onward neither uh, does anybody i saw onward i thought it solved the problem. the day before uh the covid shutdown, and it mm -hmm. was the last time i went to alamo draft house for a long time and uh then i had covid like two days later so onward might have given me covid <laughs> <laughs> oh man that should be your review of onward it gave me covid <laughs> I, I thought onward was in parentheses right. maybe <laughs> It also could have been the last time I ever went to Tex Tapas right before that. Yeah. Because it closed uh, forever. Um, which, how crazy is that? Not knowing a shutdown was coming and, like, ignorantly out there, just in, like, right on the edge. Like, not making a statement, just not paying attention. And then just coughing into everyone's mouth. No, but yeah. I, I went to my two favorite places. Uh, one I would never get to go to again, and... One that I would not be able to return to for a very long time. Tex Tapas. Very long and, time. And uh, the Alamo Draft House. So. Yeah. Um, how about our boy Michael Pitt from Funny Games? Yeah, I don't think that you were expecting to see the most terrifying on-screen character that you've seen in a long time get reintroduced into film by getting jerked off in a bathtub. Honestly, it kind of tracks okay <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say i was expecting it but maybe i should have yeah dude he was good in this movie i think oh this was obviously like a few years before funny games this yeah. is one of the first movies he did i'm pretty sure probably let me check he killed it in this movie yeah. though he was because he's a fantastic uh, actor great as tommy gnosis he he's easy to connect with and like relate to we're kind of against him because this is you know the main character's uh kind of first love well i guess second love their boyfriend who is um a repressed christian who, boy a repressed christian boy that loves hedwig as a person and they're creating music together but ultimately f they can't physically love each other because he's kind of repulsed by hedwig's body yeah. which is you know tragic tragic and in, in itself um but you know that's another thing about this movie man and again i'm not trying to speak for people um that are a part of this community but i don't unless there's something i missed i don't think there's really any movies that treat um trans issues as on the nose as this one yeah i mean and then i would i'll even say this two straight cis white guys talking about issues that affect a community we're not a part of if we mm -hmm. don't understand something or if we're missed something i will bring you on the show next week like please speak for us and teach us like we're not we're not trying to proclaim anything we're just talking about a movie we liked and the issues it addressed yeah absolutely um what denny said 
Yeah, like, trans issues are kind of thought of as, like, a subtext in a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. and, and especially at the time, you know, the way we talk about The Matrix and the sequels um, nowadays, we're talking, we're thinking of them as, like, kind of a trans text. I've heard um, certain viewpoints on the, the thing as a trans text, that oh. kind of thing. So there's just not a lot of, like, straightforward, on-the-nose cinema about just focusing on trans issues. Yeah. And this movie does it very stylized, but also very well. Yeah. well, and it, Very relatably. Well, and that's what was interesting to me, is there was even more complexity in that, because... Hedwig never came out and said, like, hello, I am trans. Um, mm -hmm. Like, we didn't really get a gender identity out of them. Um, it was just she, he, they identified probably as male until someone mistook her for a female. And then I I'm saying the her pronoun because she does present as female for, like, 95% of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, But then someone thought that they were a girl and still went on presenting male until it was like to get you out of East Berlin, you are going to have to have sex, a, a sex change, which I believe is uh, a better term for it is gender reassignment surgery, but it was 2001. Um, this is clearly an affirming <laughs> text, you know, so I'm not, I'm not really worried about the terminology they used, right? Like it was clearly not meant to uh, dehumanize or minimize anyone. But then after that, Hedwig's just like I've got a one inch mound of flesh flesh between my crotch and that's what it is you know <laughs> like that's it yeah. you know like um and then you know the movie closes I thought beautifully with Hedwig with no wig completely naked facing the world um just kind mm -hmm. of being what Hedwig is being what they are um walking straight forward out into the world and then, I don't know man like with no wig on their head yeah pretty pretty cool flick um yeah man this is just another one where i'm just kind of like i have very very few critiques and even the critiques like i said about like including the like bit about uh hedwig's boyfriend being a drag queen but not being able to do that um even that that's not like a reason the movie was bad because i got the message it was implied well enough but that's just a way it could have been better that's not like you guys fucked it up it's like you could have maybe you know polished this a little more but there's just a bunch of stuff i like i especially liked uh i liked hedwig's arc a lot of just being really controlling and manipulative and being just obsessed with the heartbreak of tommy rejecting them and um finally moving on from that and once that Hedwig was able to move on from that, Hedwig kind of naturally dropped a lot of those like self-indulgent traits kind of, yeah. but did some really fucked up shit along the way. Like um, I was going to say like uh, on your notes from like patch Adams being like just kind of a boy scout. Right. Um, mm -hmm. it, there, there's a term called saving cats um, of having your villain save a cat from a tree to do one nice thing. So they humanize them. Um, mm -hmm. I think we should make one for the good guys called like the good guy should kick a dog. 
<laughs> like <laughs> do one really fucked up thing to also humanize them. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we get that from Hedwig when she, she rips up her boyfriend's uh, passport. Uh, it's like truly fucked up. Like uh, Yitzhak, I didn't even get the character's name in the movie. That's why I keep looking it up on IMDb right now. Um, yeah. I don't feel like they said it a lot. But, uh, yeah, gets a role in Rent on a cruise, this, like, dream opportunity, and Hedwig just squashes that and is like, you're going to live under my thumb until I say you're allowed to do something else. And it's just inexcusable, fucked up, and, like, it's not just dickish, it's abusive, right? Yeah. That's, it's a good thing to have a hero kick a dog. Let's, let's, let's coin that. That's up there with infinite Biff Theory. As long as by the end of the movie, if they're still the good guy, they're kissing the dog, mm-hmm. then we're then we're set. Exactly. Um, there's got to be growth, but in order for there to be growth, there has to be room for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but guess what? Everyone is a person, so there's always room for growth. And as long as your characters are portrayed that way, they're going to be relatable, and any growth is going to be well-received, yep. in my opinion. I'd agree. <sighs> gimmick time gimmick time i think i've said like go watch this movie guys it rules this is a great movie with a really unique vibe and just uh, uh this is a one-of-a-kind movie yeah i would say ahead of its time for sure yep um greg what is your reactionary resolution to hedwig and the angry inch um my resolution for this year I will never try and leave this podcast for a Broadway production of a more popular podcast that I think will make me a star. That's very kind of you, Greg. That's very kind mm. of you. I promise. Um, my resolution is to bite the whammy bar on Greg's microphone at our first live show like Hedwig did with that guitar. That was fucking cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> that was badass. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um what's your favorite line um i got one runner up and that was the postcard that hedwig's mother sent <laughs> i know where what it's, you're talking about and it says greenings from sunny yugoslavia <laughs> that was Terrific. awesome i laughed at that like audibly laughed <laughs> oh man some of some of the visual jokes in this movie were just unbeatable awesome they're great um but my favorite line has to be a song lyric, six inches forward, five inches back. I got a, I got an angry inch. God, that song is so good. So fucking good. Telling the world about your botched um, sex change surgery by yep. <laughs> shouting about what you got between your legs yeah. in a funny way, man. It, that's that's wild it, <laughs> for 2001 that's fucking wild yeah it's and it wasn't like look at the freak you know like it yeah. was just it, it came across to me as empowering you know yeah, like, it's a this is who i am fucking deal with it kind of thing dude you want to talk about representation representation for intersex people like no one's talking about that people who have neither male nor female genitalia and just kind of something in between um Mm -hmm. hedwig and the angry inch is the only movie that i've been like that has been like yeah my genitals are what they are and it's fucking badass who wants to say something i'm gonna rub them in your face 
Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's fucking awesome. But also, here's who I am as a person. Yep. Terrific. Yep. Uh, what about you? Um, I'm going to give a runner-up uh, and a favorite as well. Um, which, honestly, I just stopped taking notes. So there might have been stuff later that I would have liked even more that I don't remember. But uh, these were in the earlier parts of the movie. Um, one was, our apartment was so small that Mother made me play in the oven. <laughs> Which was hysterical, um, and then the visual of that too yeah. is really good. Um, and then later, when she's uh, teaching Tommy to sing, uh, he has to stick his head in the oven and sing to learn the acoustics, like Hedwig did. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm gonna go with uh, in in German, subtitled. Jesus said the darndest things. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> what's uh, what's your critic or score? Um, I had a lot of praise for this one, but um, you know, I feel like we could have done with a little bit more. Honestly, um, I would be curious to see this with like a bigger budget. Um, I appreciate how stylized it was. Mm-hmm. And even though I do appreciate all the um, emotional openness of it, I didn't really find myself relating to too terribly much of it. Yeah. Um, but that said, the presentation of everything was very well done. So I gave this one a 32 nice. out of 40, which is solid, easily passing, comfortably good movie. Um yeah yeah i i'm gonna have these songs stuck in my head for a couple weeks oh that song rules put on my i know right um on the note of relatability i actually this is kind of just more discussion before the gimmick but it was something i experienced in the movie that i i also was like man this movie fucking rules and i'm really not emotionally connecting to it but it's a fucking Mm -hmm. great movie and then it just kind of hit me that i was like oh well this really isn't for me yeah like this is probably how trans people gay people feel in uh, every other movie about straight cis people (laughs) like i was like i get it i like the emotion behind it but i don't relate to those emotions so that was just which you don't have to no you don't have to relate to something to appreciate it and respect it you know like and i i I had a similar experience that i was like normally i'd be feeling a lot more oh i expect that because i'm privileged (laughs) cool (laughs) (laughs) um i gave it a i gave it a 43 out of 50 um okay which is a very high grade and it's also a spot of notoriety for me um because for me 45 is just like you're getting into the territory of the best movies ever um Mm -hmm. and so 44 is like almost a sad rating for me you know it's like it was really good but it didn't quite make it and so i put a lot of movies that i just think are like badass as fuck at 43 to be like hey we're not going to talk about how it's not one of the greatest movies ever made we're going to talk about how it fucking rules. You know, like that's, that's what a 43 yeah. is from me. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, 43 out of 50 love Hedrick and the angry inch. That's a, a fantastic new discovery and will probably turn into a comfort movie for me that I will watch again and again. I really liked it. 
I like that. And yeah, it's despite the low budget, there were still less boom mics in the shot than Wild Wild West. So <laughs> what a segue. What a segue. Are we ready? I, to... I can skip the seamless edit and just keep going, man. Fuck a seamless edit. I'm ready. Shit. My beer still like got some left in there. So Greg just disregarded his own gimmick. But what the audience doesn't know is my gimmick <clears throat> is going pee and getting another drink in between movie discussions. So yeah. we, we both disregarded um, our gimmicks. Or this the the edit was so seamless that it just felt like a Karen. Well, there's actually six minutes in between there you know what's really funny to me that i've thought about a lot when i've listened to our episodes back is when you you actually do make a lot of seamless edits like when you like mm. need to edit a conversation or something like that um you actually do it really seamlessly and then we draw attention to how unseamless the edits are with the seamless edit bits but you actually are a really good seamless editor it doesn't show at all when we have to edit something well thank you man there was like a like two minute break in a conversation one time where my dog was just barking at somebody outside and I just cut it together. I was like, wow, didn't he actually like finish with one word and then two minutes later came back in with the same word. So I was just like, this is easy. And it, I listened back to it. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that I cut out like two minutes of real time there. Yeah, dude, Look at me. You nailed it. I'm so good at my job. You are, Greg. And you're good at your unpaid work that you do for Movies for Win podcast. I'm well. I'm good at my job. I'm good at my part-time job. And I'm also good at my unpaid podcast <laughs> job. You know what, Greg? That's, that's my... I'm busy. That's my real resolution. I want to make some fucking money from this this year. <laughs> I want to get sponsored. I want to sell shirts. I made an Instagram and posted nothing, but I'm going to post something one day, damn it. <laughs> I, I looked at, I found our page and it was like, zero posts, zero following, zero followers. And I was like, oh, at least we have a profile picture. <laughs> well, I, I got it done and then I was like, all right, time to start fishing for... Time for bed. Time to fish for followbacks. And then I was like, I don't really feel like doing that. <laughs> no. This is already too much work. <laughs> Sparing, staring at a big big white screen like oh, oh boy i'll do it later this this canvas is a bit too blank i'm going to bed <laughs> oh, i get that follow our fucking instagram um, i'll post or something yeah uh welcome to instagram talk everybody follow us i guess what is it again at movies for win yep, just movies for win okay that wasn't taken already no fuck yeah dude yeah. you got such a good name yep God, we're so cool. We fucking rock, dude. We're the best. Or we have a horrible everyone else, name and no one else, else wants Everyone else sucks. <laughs> no, no, it's just unique it's, and cool it is unique and, and interesting. Cool. Trendy. It's unique, cool, and interesting. Great branding. Trendy. Pat yourself on the back for the branding. There we go. Everyone else is just too boring. <laughs> They're like movies for why, <laughs> and we're like, nah, <laughs> movies for movies win. for woes. <laughs> suck it nerds <laughs> um if you wanted rise of skywalker or shang chi talk find another fucking podcast you fucking losers listen, we're here to talk about listen to the rest of them <laughs> 1999's wild wild west listen to all the other movie podcasts if that's what you want to hear <laughs> we're here to see 
1999 Will Smith classic that I haven't seen before. Yep, same. Um, Dipshits. Who's going to do the synopsis for this? Uh, I'll do it. I volunteer. Go for it. Uh, Wild Wild West is a horny-ass movie about uh, steampunk freaks trying to save the president from a giant mechanical spider that is operated by a redneck with no legs. Well, there's a rap song. Okay, see, my synopsis was going to be, if you wait an hour and 50 minutes, there's a really good rap song. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad uh, we're pretty much on the same wavelength and you went more in depth than I was willing to. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Uh, what's What's your fucking relationship with Wild Wild West? It's... It's probably not that unique. I was nine when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think a few of my friends had seen. It was a huge movie at the time. They were like Burger King toys of oh, the giant marketed spider. marketed like nobody's business. It was marketed for kids. And then I'm watching it, you know, yesterday. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm so glad my parents didn't show me this as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that... I remember it was hugely popular because, you know, Will Smith's rap career was something we all, you know, were in tune with as kids in the 90s. Cherished in the 90s. And then, like, wow, he wrote a whole song for a movie. He turned down The Matrix for this movie. He did this. Um, You know, there's a giant mechanical spider. Like, what's not to love? And then I watch, watch it now, and I'm sure my parents, like, woke up and like read the review in the dallas morning news and were like wow this is surely going to be a future granny award winner for horniest (laughs) movie i'm not showing this to our nine-year-old son and oh man now i watched it on netflix that's my relationship with the movie mine is uh almost exactly the same i i I felt like it was a big piece of childhood i missed out on because i felt like most kids i knew had seen it and i i remember the marketing being everywhere um in my adult life i will listen to the theme song like i'll listen to will smith's rap song um having never seen the movie because it's a bop um (laughs) and uh man I am not being hyperbolic. I know I'm prone to hyperbole and exaggeration, and I am not. You hype. You're hyperbolic all the time. It's constant, literally always. See, you're you're trying to do a bit, but that's very true. Like, <laughs> like always hyperbolic. I'm like, God damn it! I stubbed my toe. This is the worst day of my fucking life. <laughs> you know, like that's like, um, all that goes to say, um. This is, and you will, like, I will validate this with a Critiker score. This is one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my whole no entire life. No shit, really. In my whole life ever. I just, I thought this was going to be, like, fun, haha, look at the 90s. We were so wild. Can you believe we thought this was cool? Ugh, but it's fun to look back. No, this is one of the most hot garbage piece of shit. How the fuck did anyone make this movies I have ever, ever seen? This movie sucks so much that like 
the actors in it have apologized. Like, they've, like, said they were sorry. It's, I looked up trivia on it, like, Will Smith has said that he's sorry for making this movie. He was actually, apparently, he's apparently a really big fan of the show no one has ever heard of that it's uh, adapted from. Yeah. Um, And that's why he wanted to do the movie. That was a surprise, Yeah, by the way. (laughs) Um, They, they tried to get, uh, they tried to get one of the leads from the show to cameo in the movie. And he wouldn't do it, but he did show up to accept five Razzies for this movie and personally delivered them to the winners. Uh (laughs) Which is just one of the greatest fuck yous I've ever heard of in my life. And we could have had Will Smith as Neo if he didn't like that show so much and choose this movie over that. Talk about the fucking butterfly effect, man. Dude, I'm glad we didn't. I don't know, man. I think Will Smith would have been a really good Neo. Yeah, but Keanu was a better one. And honestly, I think we probably would have lost Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. Because I just don't see 1999 letting two black guys talk to each other. Two black guys? What is this? A movie for black people? There's two black guys. We're already paying one. (laughs) Where are all the white people talking to them? We can't have the white female be into a black guy. Shouldn't they be mentoring a troubled white person right now? (laughs) Uh, This isn't us, guys. This is a bit. We're doing a bit. We think that's bad and stupid. We're just aware of it. This is absurdity for comedy. I I really do think that, though, that if, like, they had a black lead in The Matrix, they wouldn't have had a black guy play Morpheus. Lawrence Fishburne would have no 100 like I, I seriously do think that i think the wachowskis would have tried for it but i think studios would have shot it no down. it's not my impression that the wachowskis would have given a fuck you know like, like yeah I don't exactly think, i think they would not have been the problem nothing about anything i've seen from them in interviews makes me think that they were like movies should be mostly white people um <laughs> but i i do a hundred percent believe they would have gotten feedback from the studio that like would have just put the kibosh on that um yeah i totally agree um enough peripherals let's get into the meat of this son of a bitch i'm gonna say one nice thing kind of nice oh i i know i know what it is what is it the intro credits are cool as fuck i thought they were insanely long and drawn out and very uninspired Okay, maybe I don't know what it is. It's actually before. <laughs> What's... It's before the intro credits. That intro scene. All I'm saying, my favorite movie franchise ever, Friday the Thirteenth. There uh... are there are Friday the Thirteenth installments with worse opening kill sequences. Mm-hmm. Was this one great? Not really. But all I'm saying is that's a staple of Friday the Thirteenth. Is we get a big scared person running and they get killed and then we roll opening credits and title screens there are friday the 13th with worse ones is all i'm gonna say props where props okay. are due let's, let's, let's... and hey we're going to uh probably talk about one of those pretty soon here this may oh shit i can't wait that's a teaser baby all right. Um, yeah, I, I guess I was a bigger fan of the uh, intro credit sequence than you. I thought it was kind of cool. It just kind of cowboy bebop ish. 
it just struck me as like lazy <laughs> like i just thought it was like what it was just so like hey have you ever seen a western they're like this and i didn't think they really did anything to like impart their own style um in any way on it it was just like stock western footage with their actors in it stock western score for a fucking steampunk fucking cyborg movie yeah you'd think they would this... jazz it up a little bit is all i'm saying I think that's my main thing here is I'm constantly having to be reminded that this takes place in the Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the Wild West. This is some ridiculous steampunk Comic-Con fantasy land. It's <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh yeah, it's the 18 fucking 70s or whatever this movie. Who gives a shit?" Uh steampunk has never been my thing I, I i don't hate it no i just don't get it like i don't the appeal's not there for me if it's there for you i like i don't have anything like negative to say about it it just i do <laughs> what, 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 what do you have to say about steampunk <laughs> uh i don't know i feel like if you're in your 30s and you're describing yourself as whimsical maybe you should have been bullied a little bit more fucking but... hell dude <laughs> shit <laughs> I don't really think that, guys. Come on. I don't think uh, that. Man. But something has to happen to Gloves you. Gloves are off. <laughs> I don't know a lot of steampunk people, though, so maybe if I met a few more. I've never met, like, a steampunk devotee in real life. I, I've known people who like steampunk and think it's neat, but I've never met someone who, like, is like, that's my thing. I'm the steampunk person. You know, like they're still busy in their basement replaying Bioshock or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Is that steampunk? Yeah, kind of. All right. <laughs> um, God, my uh, my third note on this movie is simply, oh wow, this is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> just me realizing truly how. Did you pause the movie to write that down? <laughs> I don't. I don't pause. No, not for notes. Okay. Usually. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, this is a bad movie, and it, I realized it very early. Do you want to know something fucked up that they did? Hmm. That opening scene, um, they shot it with a different actress. The scene of like Will Smith in the in the hot tub with the with the woman. Oh yeah, in the water tower. Yeah. They they shot it with a different actress. Didn't think that she had chemistry with Will Smith, so they reshot it, and didn't tell her. And she showed up at the premiere and found out she wasn't in the movie. What the fuck? Talk really? <laughs> fucking shitty. That is terrible and fucking hilarious at the same time. Yeah. That's just a clusterfuck of mismanagement, if you ask me. Like, that's well, horrible. That just feels like it fits with the film itself, you know? Well, like, of course that would happen on a production like this. Uh, apparently, from what I was reading about it, like, everyone realized it sucked. And, like, when they were trying to get, like, Universal's quality control department to work on it, like, no one wanted to. And they had to, like, force people. They were like, this is your job, you have to. And they were like, ah. Uh, I don't want to do this. 
that's like a punishment. It's like a threat. Like, if you don't get this to me by Friday, I'm going to make you do some polishing work on Wild Wild West. <laughs> God damn it! Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's tricky. There's, there's bits and pieces of this movie that I love. Name three. Visually, there's... And it's all visual. Okay. It's 100% okay. visual. Okay, I, I can allow that. Um, there's a part where the guy that gets killed in the intro scene, it's, it's okay. Visually, it's a cool thing, but the premise of it is bullshit. Like the, our inventor guy, our U.S. Marshal who's in, into inventions and is going to outthink the problem no matter what. He's like, well, our corneas are set to where when we die the last thing we see is like burned onto our like eyes yeah. or whatever and i was like okay i feel like if there was any truth in that at all even remotely cs even like a random csi episode would have brought this up but i've never seen this anywhere <laughs> so they like take the guy who got decapitated in the opening scene and then like cut a hole in the back of his head yeah. and then shine a projector bulb through him to project the last thing he saw no, that was cool on his eyes onto the screen and insane i thought that stupid. was so cool no that that looked amazing and that was like the effects department that made that head top notch that looked like a real human head <clears throat> like that was that was fucking amazing and that scene was like one of the stupidest things i've seen in my life is it because Will Smith says that is a man's head nine Jesus times? Christ. They fly now. Oh my fucking god. They fly now? That is a man's head. Oh, that was so much worse than anything Bruce Willis did in the kid. <laughs> oh, okay, hold up. I would I would take ten wambulances to take off three that was that's a man's head. If they subtracted yeah. three, I would take ten more ambulances than the kid. Ooh. I fucking, Careful what you wish it for. It was awful. Like, so this was my main thing. This is what was jarring to me about this movie. Denny, Denny has sat up. What's up? <laughs> it was uncomfortable for me to see Will Smith be so uncool. Like, he is like the coolest, most effortlessly smooth guy ever. People criticize him and say, like, why is he a renowned actor? He's just Will Smith in every movie. And I'm like, yeah, well, it just keeps fucking well, working. So, like, I don't know what to tell you the guys. Guy, the guy he keeps being is cool as shit, yeah, so it, there you go. Let me know when it stops being effective, and then you can criticize him. But how did they make Will fucking Smith in the 90s just seems so inorganic stilted and forced in every single thing he said like what the fuck like men in black came out this same year did it not yeah it did no it was might have been the year after let me look i don't think it was 2000 oh whoa shit men in black is 97 i thought it was 99 never mind oh, it was before yeah, yeah maybe men in black too anyways but like Will Smith is the fucking coolest guy ever. He's so fucking cool. How did you fucking give him such horrible material 
that he delivered this performance because I'm not blaming Will Smith and, for it. I won't do it. There's too much evidence to the contrary to make me say this was his fault. And here's the thing, too. This is what actually makes it worse is he's not like being forced to play like a classic Western style of character. Mm -hmm. They're giving him like modern kind of lines, modern quips. Like he's a very modern character. He's anachronistic as which, fuck, yeah. Yeah, which is why it's so weird to think of him. He, like, he only sometimes references, like, hey, I know it's weird that a black person in these times is doing so much shit and is, you know, cool as hell, but here I am. Yeah. But, yeah, like, they, they modernize the character so much that for, you forget what time period it is, and he's still not cool. Like... yeah. What the hell, dude? If Come you on. told me, if you told me, cowboy Will Smith with gadgets would be lame in the nineties. I might buy it in twenty twenty one, but in the nineties, cowboy Will Smith with gadgets, and that's gonna be like pathetic. Holy shit, that would have been hard for me to believe before I saw this movie, and it was, yeah. and that's why I saw this movie. <laughs> how shallow like how fucking shallow are these characters like will smith's character development is that he's black and he likes guns that's that's the well, whole character they, they just yeah. constantly have him be like a gun would solve this problem and then his fucking partner is like oh so you think you can just use a gun like just constant like and it, it is very constant and then selma hayek's like what if i had tits yeah which and apparently she was very embarrassed for how she was used in this movie too so was i <laughs> oh man Ugh. you used in this movie is a great way to put it yeah greg <laughs> yes denny they named the only asian character miss east <laughs> Yes, they did. Hey, here's the thing. They didn't need an Asian character. They named the here's only the other character of Asian ethnicity in this movie, Miss East. Well, Miss Ching Chong Bing Bong, I think you make an excellent point. You're like, Jesus Christ, what the God. fuck? Jesus. No, that's too on the nose. Let's call her Miss East. Good fucking God. <laughs> Like, at a certain point, I stopped getting upset and started to, like, <laughs> honestly be impressed that they could be so sincerely racist, homophobic, and ableist all at once. Ah, don't forget sexist. Oh, and sexist. Like, they, like at a certain point, it just started impressing me that they could be that tone deaf. Like, yeah. unfucking believable The shit that they put on a screen in this movie that marginalized people is unfucking believable It's pretty believable. I think it's pretty believable. <laughs> okay, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I'm disappointed. There you go. Yeah, there you go. 
I just um good god man yeah you just what I just want to wind you up buddy oh I want to get you going could these characters stop fucking teeing each other up for bits for five fucking seconds Mm-mm. like Jesus fucking Christ every single line of dialogue was just setting someone up to do a bit every single fucking thing they said constant it it wouldn't be a problem if the bits changed it's like you were saying where like will smith's will smith's character was just like i have a gun a gun would solve this problem and then he like cocks his gun and puts it really close to the camera and then he does that like 40 times and like a lot of the lines like you're saying are setting him up to do exactly that yeah disgusting oh Every bit went on too long. Like, this this is what the movie played like to me. Mm-hmm. A steampunk enthusiast pitched it to a studio and was mm-hmm. devastated when the studio told him he could only make it if he also wrote a story. <laughs> like, <laughs> just absolutely devastated. But, t- 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 sp- Spider, you didn't hear about the... Do you know where that's from? Because I, what- I have a little tidbit for that, Greg. Oh, please. That spider bit was stolen directly from a axed project written by Kevin Smith starring the corporeal deity that currently embodies the vessel of the actor known as Nicolas Cage as Superman. The studio scrapped that fucking masterpiece and stole the giant spider bit and put it in Wild Wild West. Denny, while he was talking, watched my face move from intrigue to disappointment to disgust to depression. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm sad. If you've never seen long haired Nicolas Cage in test shots for the Superman movie, look it up. I have. Look it up. I was that was for the listeners. I knew you had. Oh, of course. I knew you had, Greg. Never doubted that I've got for it. a second. I, I've got that saved in a file here somewhere. <laughs> it's the lock screen on my phone. I look at it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. So many of my notes are just, like, this is painful to watch. <laughs> like, I just, like, stopped and wrote shit like that down. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about the Country Bears, Greg. Uh, Why? Do you remember... Oh, yeah, the con- the connection between the Country Bears and Wild Wild West. Do you remember that first time they're in the saloon and there's a woman singing a song called Blood on the Saddle? Oh, my God. That's the song you sang to intro our discussion of the Country Bears. That song is sung in the Country Bears stage show in the Disney World Resort by none other than Big Al. Was blood on the saddle. And blood all around. And a great big puddle of blood on the ground. Give it up for Big Al, ladies and gentlemen. Glad it, Hell glad yeah. Can make it. Dude, you never, you never <laughs> responded. Sidebar, I sent hmm? you a picture. I was digging around in my grandma's attic, and I found an authentic 
Fred Betterhead Country Bears toy. Did you send me a picture of that? Oh, I, I absolutely did. did. Uh, I see the picture of Kermit and Miss Piggy from that Clickhole article. Uh, um, our selfie of us together in front of my TV where we watch Cats. You're too far back. Yeah, you you never sent me that, dog. Look, Monday, January 3rd at 7.30 p.m. in my text messages to Greg Johnson. I don't have that. Oh, shit. Yeah, I found a Fred Betterhead toy that apparently either me or my brothers owned from childhood from the Country Bears movie line at McDonald's Happy Meals. Holy shit. That's a Hall of Famer right there. There you go. That's a Hall of Fame film, buddy. Uh, you know what isn't a Hall of Fame film? Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Um, yeah, dude. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with um, Chekhov's everything. <laughs> <laughs> because literally everything, every little invention, every line was just like reference later to get another character out of a jam yep will smith has got his fucking mithril on Jesus. um <laughs> that guy thinks he fucking invented chain mail by the way yeah i was like <laughs> that's that's just chain mail yeah what the hell are you talking about yeah. I, I i called it mithril yeah i know um <laughs> uh, because i don't think chain mail maybe it could stop a bullet i don't know we'll get a you know We'll get some people that have chainmail on the case. All right, we need the LARPers and the steampunk kids to meet up and give us some feedback. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, they're definitely in touch. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing. Will Smith keeps, like, shit-talking the guy's inventions. Yeah. But they all, they all keep working. And they're amazing. They're all cool as hell. They work great pretty much all the time. And he's like, oh, let me guess. Another one of your crazy inventions yeah. to the bitter end. And it's just like, dude, he's saved your ass so many times dude, with his crazy inventions. He could have convinced people he was God and started a new religion with those kind of gadgets in that time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the fuck was that about? Oh, man. Um on that note, this movie exists in a terrifying world where you could be standing on a trap door at any moment and have no idea. How many trap doors were in this fucking movie? Uh, there's the spring-loaded one on the train. Uh, <laughs> there's no less than 80. More than a few. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's funny. It's just like how much of this movie is dependent on trains. Yeah to like get around and it's just like ah we've done it we finally connected the atlantic and the pacific and it's just like well what if two trains what if one's trying to get to the pacific and one's trying to get to the atlantic what do we do yeah. <sighs> but yeah then it's just like this guy's on a train the tank is train based i don't know this is a weird ass movie dude what am i talking about do you i've lost track do you think that Quentin Tarantino made Django Unchained to to help people forget? 
like to help them <laughs> to help them see it done right. I think so. Like, no, this is how we do a western now with some modern flair. Yeah, we uh, don't have to steampunk it. This is how you write and, a story and quip it. about a black dude in 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 the in the west, <laughs> right? Like, and and here's the word you use for it. Good. Thanks, Quentin. We got it. Quentin loves that word, doesn't he? Dude, um, I I hereby would like to pitch renaming the n-word to the quentin word i don't think that's what... he deserves to own it <laughs> no that's fine that just means you definitely shouldn't say it because yeah. in my notes in like the beginning scene i said he almost slipped the tarantino word i don't want to give him ownership of it though that's fair oh man but it is definitely the word that you hear and you're just like that guy shouldn't be saying that yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought it was cool that after he was left out of Mortal Kombat's 1995 movie that, uh, Baraka actually got to be in Wild Wild West. I don't understand this reference. What are you talking about? Bar Baraka is a character with, uh, swords that come out of his, his fist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's... No more Mr. Knife guy. That line actually popped me. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, do you... Do you... I said take a bow, Will. <laughs> do you, do you want to know how fucking stupid and tone deaf this movie was please those, give me more examples those two frankenstein cyborgs at the end one of them's baraka and one of them's like steampunk frankenstein um mm -hmm. which i don't even Oof. understand how that character died like i was like wait what happened um oh yeah like he just kind of fuck it so they had to <laughs> He short-circuited, I think. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Who cares? They, Who cares? They had to add them in reshoots because test audiences were like, why was the climactic scene our heroes just fighting two women? <laughs> the two women that are with the, uh, the, yep. the stupor... Munitia yeah. and... Yeah. That was the original climax that they shot and showed to test audiences that they just like... These two men had to beat the fuck out of two women in pink dresses. Yep. And they thought... But they had guns. They so. thought that was an appropriate ending to a movie and had to get as far as test audiences to realize it wasn't. The movie was done in their eyes. They're like, yeah, we could film a couple more things to kind of clear this up. We didn't even talk about Sir Kenneth Branagh's... Uh, is that how you say his last name? I think so. Better known as Gilderoy Lockhart's performance as the villain. Um, that man is knighted. Oh, boy. That man is knighted, and he's in Wild Wild West. He is a peer of Patrick Stewart, is what you're telling me. I mean, honestly, in real life, yeah. I mean, like, he's a good actor, but this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> well, there you go. Dude. He had a very good uh, Matthew Barry impersonation, though. I didn't... It's something that kept frustrating me about the movie was, like, the constant reuse of the, like, we attach the camera to the wheelchair shot. I thought that got kind of annoying. <sighs> yeah. Then he went full Clone Wars Darth Maul, and you never go full <laughs> Clone Wars Darth Maul. Oh, my God. I haven't even seen Clone Wars, but I know what you're talking about. He grows his own little spider legs. Me neither, but yeah, I saw Solo. Um, which, <laughs> coming back, did you notice 
I meant to say this. Patch Adams got his name the same way as Han Solo. (laughs) Dude, fuck Wild Wild West, though. Like, what a shit-tier garbage clusterfuck of poop. I, I had I had some fun. I had a decent amount of fun at some of the scenes. I name liked three. a lot of the visuals. Name three. Wait, name three what? Three fun scenes or three fun visuals. Okay, hold on. Uh, the nitro bike. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't even. Remember. I thought the CG, the CGI for like the spider and like the sound effects associated with it were pretty solid. That was pretty good for its time. Fair point. It looked good. I like. The practical effect of most of the inventions, like a lot of the inventions that I don't know the actor or the character's name, so who gives a shit? Inventor Man, um, U.S. Marshal Inventor Man. Uh, a lot of the inventions he creates are just like a spring-loaded thing, yeah, or like you pull a lever in the train and the wall pops out and it's guns now like Like a lot of that stuff is practical and i like that stuff like that cool fake boob that punches people bringing new meaning to titty punch ah but what if we had a scene where will smith insisted that we fill it with water instead dude that was so fucking just i'm telling you man this is gonna we've got like okay we're one episode into the year, and we've already got two solid granny awards handed out. Worst picture for cats and horniest movie for Wild Wild West. I think this continues. The amount of... For worst picture. The, mm, fuck is, you. No, it this doesn't. This is cats tier bad. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I was able to sit through Wild Wild West. I watched I was sit through cats. I was there, motherfucker. I had to take breaks. I had to talk to you. I was sitting through Wild Wild West alone, and I don't think I was really struggling too terribly to do this. Really? To do that. Because I watched Wild Wild West with Vanessa, and we just kept looking at each other, being like, are we still fucking watching this? At least you had each other, man. I guess. The amount of times they say the word boobies. God. Come on. Ugh. All right. And then I, I, I referenced it um, in our Hedwig discussion. There was totally a boom mic in the shot for um, one of the scenes. It's not even like people are there. Like, it's just the train rolling away. And then the boom mic is in, like, the top left corner. God, and then, like, gets pulled away. <laughs> that's great. That's just great. And I was just like, well, that tracks. Not just because it was on a train. It's just fantastic shit. You love to see it. You love to see it. At least we didn't watch Cats. Well, we did. Just not this week. I don't know that that's getting me through. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm out of notes. What do you want to do, man? All right. Yeah, fuck this movie. Spider-Man Confederate flag. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, this is just the Spider-Man logo. (laughs) (laughs) This is like one of the skins you unlock in um, 
the Spider-Man video game for PlayStation. Like, really? I thought it was. Uh, it was Steampunk Spider-Man. That's that logo or whatever. Oh, I thought it was Confederate Spider-Man from when uh, <laughs> Tom Holland uh, goes to the wrong universe. <laughs> Somewhere in the multiverse, Spider-Man is protecting the streets of Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Uh, let's let's fucking call it. It's part of our heritage, Mr. Stark. God. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Just man. fucking let's let's call it. Let's let's come on. Mercy kill this this fucking second. Uh, I want to do more Confederate Spider-Man jokes, but I'm, I don't it's, I don't think that can I'm too tired for. It. I don't think that can go on for very long uh before we regret it. Um Yeah. <laughs> i already do how did they make how did they make fucking will smith and drag so fucking awful oh my god that was so uncomfortable and it was like also racist oh. towards a race that was just like caught in the crossfire of this movie <laughs> it was just like what if we insulted indian culture <laughs> like okay is there an over um exaggerated indian character no it's will smith and drag sorry what (laughs) also just going and having long extended conversations while the villain just like sits there like jesus that was so fucking horrible oh man greg what's your yeah what's your reactionary resolution from this movie um uh, my resolution for this year based on my watching of this movie is to continue to not being that guy that's into steampunk <sighs> mine is simply to try to forget to try to look Whoa. at will smith the same and just just try to forget that i watched this fair enough we could all uh stand to forget <sighs> what's your what's your favorite line don't sound so depressed. I am. Um, this movie depressed me. My favorite line. Would it help in any way if I said I thought you were a man? I'm going to go with something from that same monologue. Mmm, uh, good. Never drum a white lady's boobies at a big redneck dance. I almost picked that one, but I went for the other one. Solid. Look at us. Crushing it. Greg, what is your Critiker score? Well, Critiker projected that I would give this a 2 out of 40. Yeah. I had a little bit more fun than that. I wasn't truly appalled by the visuals like I was with Cats. Um, Extremely problematic movie, but some of the stuff I was at least entertained by. Which is, funnily enough, not Will Smith. Except for his song, which rules. So I gave this one a 12 out of 40. Alright. It's one of my lower scores for this show, outside of, like, intentionally bad Halloween movies, you know? (sighs) Well, when we watched Cats, I noted that i had no ratings between zero and four and cats was my first one and we asked Ah. what will be your first two or three well 
Well, upon revising, <laughs> I did have to move. Unfortunately, I had to move Spice World down to a two <laughs> because it was wow. it was worse than this movie. Um, I gave Wild Wild West a three out of fifty. My first three ever. Wow. Because my floor is very low. This is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. And additionally, I will be a lot more forgiving to a movie with a $10,000 budget that fucked it up than to a movie with a $100 million budget that fucked it up. Um, you have less you excuses. Um, Wild Wild West is a 3 out of 50 for me. It is no joke one of the worst movies i have ever seen in my whole life and it fucking sucks there you have it folks i've given out a few threes um hopefully we never watch well i could stand to watch a couple of these again but yeah hopefully we never watch terminator 3 that's all i'm saying for the record um, i gave ginger dead man a four. Oh, and Someone from the Grenies, one of our anonymous voters, identified themselves. Uh-oh. Don Denham is the one who said he saw the light about Terminator 2 being the end of the franchise. Oh, wow. So I owe Don Denham yeah. a free dinner, as promised. Dinner's on me, uh, Don. Don. Don Dinner. Don um, Dinner. I, I believe I did promise him a beer, so... Um... He's coming to the housewarming party. Yep. Don, it's dinner and a beer at the Grinnies after party next time you're in the in the Metroplex. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, we're such influencers. We are we really are influencers. <laughs> One more person sees the light about Terminator 2 because of our work and you know, I've helped a lot of people recover from sexual trauma, but I just kind of wonder if I'm really making a difference and then you get a text like that from a listener and you're like, wow, it's good that I'm on earth. Hell yeah, dude, I'm, I'm heart warmed. <laughs> my heart's warm. That was ironic. That was discrediting uh, my work as a trauma therapist in favor of my <laughs> soapbox about, uh, about Terminator 2. <laughs> hey, at least you know you're actually, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was going to lean too far into that. Good restraint, Greg. <laughs> good restraint yeah yeah i try greg what's the best movie for when you're starting your annual movie list i put a lot of thought into this even though i didn't need to uh, <laughs> um it's hedwig and the angry inch because even if we had picked two other movies that i think you know that we would have given like much better scores to if you're creating, let's see, the listener of this podcast is going to make a movie list of movies I want to watch this year. Why not pick something that you've never seen before, probably never heard of before, something completely off the wall that's going to kind of change your viewpoint or open your eyes and give you some perspective on some things and then also have a lot of fun with it. So... Hedwig and the Angry Inch, even though the competition was uh, drowning in a kiddie pool uh, <laughs> next to it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hedwig uh, pretty much for the same reasons. 
that's what I really like to come out with. That that's a very like we we've been doing this movie list. We're on our sixth year of it now, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Just for the way we do it, Hedwig is a very January movie for us. You know, we tend to come out swinging with stuff that we're really excited about and wanted an excuse to watch and had been meaning to do it for a while and it's usually a little more like quirky a little more artsy type of stuff that we're like "Ooh, that looks good but just didn't sit down and watch it so i'm headwig for the same reasons yeah dude uh yeah there there was other movies that i wanted to pick i was like i mean we got to do this for horror month like i gotta save this for october yeah. like don't we're, we're pretty protective of our horror movies on the list we we we, we store them up every so often we'll cheat a little bit but we we really like to go hard in october on those totally fine i appreciate that and i respected the uh yeah the octoberness of it all i, I would have allowed you to pick one though i thought about telling you not to pick a horror but i was like nah, if he picks it that's fine i i told myself not to don't worry there's actually way fewer horror movies on our list this year because we just watch those all the time without having to make ourselves. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I was gonna say, I guess we'll have to find some more on our own uh, we, to do in October. Well, no, it's we know we'll do that naturally, and that's kind of the oh yeah the, yeah, the point of the whole list is to be like, hey, we're gonna make a point to watch these, and we probably wouldn't watch them if we didn't make a point to do it. So yeah, exactly. Um, what are we doing next week? Shit, we haven't even talked about it. Want to pick something on the air? That's always no, fun. we have not. That's always a good time. Do you have any ideas for yeah. next week? Listeners love that shit. They love um, listening to us think. The thing is, like, I think I had bumped something up on the spreadsheet as kind of something that I was thinking we could do. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm looking at it. I don't think I actually had anything. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Greg. Oh, no. Are we going to do when the boys are coming over? Eh. Eh. Not really. I'm not really feeling it. When your partner speaks a different language than you? That's, I've, I found out I'm going to have to watch In the Heights for that, so I'm putting it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Leah's going to be pissed, buddy. Uh... We could do movies for when you want to see a director's lesser-known work. That was the one I was looking at right when you highlighted it. So let's go with that. I like it. Movies for All when right. you want to see a director's lesser-known work. We'll get back to you on the picks. Let's let the audience pick one, yeah? Yeah, 100%. We'll, we'll let you guys pick. It'll be great. So, so yeah, we'll do we'll do famous directors, guys that, or gals that we've definitely heard of um made some famous movies but then they've got something on their um a filmography that's maybe less popular and maybe you think it rules maybe you think it sucks and just needs a little attention um (laughs) it's it's a little open yeah we'll do uh our first audience poll of the year because i wasn't going to hand your 50 movie list over to the masses and say pick one agree on one together <laughs> well i think it was oh, i wasn't gonna have it was very appropriate for vanessa to have a pick because it's her movie list too it's something we do together exactly you know, yeah like, yeah um, the third pick belonged to her yeah. regardless well greg i guess it's about that time it is about that time season two i think is off to a good start i think so too i've missed this is a classic movies for when there's 
no holiday theme we're being eclectic we're chopping it up with three tangentially related movies tangentially related yeah exactly like it's only related because of this episode of our fucking podcast they're on they're on a pretty prestigious movie list together greg listen (laughs) you're right (laughs) just like um you know we're an award-winning podcast these are revered list making movies (laughs) so we are an award-winning podcast and it feels great it's in our description we have our award i'm just saying hell yeah hell yeah all right uh denny start the end of the end of the beginning of the end of the season with the start of the season with the catchphrase please for greg work the leg work johnson i'm denny the talent taylor and this has been the premiere of season two of movies for when we already told you when oh we go into the wild wild west yeah we go into the wild wild west we're going to the land no we're not going back there it didn't ruin the song for me at all still about still listening to it not taking that it out of the stayed rotation. in the end credits where it belongs <laughs>